This is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is My Mind Emporium. Welcome to my podcast. Want to talk about conspiracy theories, celebrity horticulture, whatever. When I say horticulture, just the information I done stored in my head, hoard some information about celebrities. I have no business hoarding honey. Anyway, hi, you guys. Welcome to my podcast, y'all. This whole week we have been doing the Royals and um, today we're going to be talking about the Royal inbreeding. I'm not doing this to be funny. I will not be chuckling during this because I don't think anything is funny about inbreeding, but I will be talking about this because this is a big deal when it comes to the Royal family. You got to understand that, you know, all these royals that are royals now are all royals because of Queen Victoria. And if you want to go further back, we can talk about the Black Queen, Queen Charlotte, honey. But we'll talk about her on the tomorrow, which my secret Saturday. But today we're going to be talking about royal inbreeding. We're going to be talking about Vlad the Impaler possibly being descendant of the Windsors. And we're going to be talking about... Um, If the Habsburg jaw and the other hereditary disorders brought on by being a royal. And um, we're also going to be talking about, um, well, that's all we're going to be talking about. But we're just going to be talking about the inbreeding and the diseases caused by them with the royal family. So let's get it started. Um, this subject came about with me because I forgot this as a topic because the other topics I had was not this. I don't know if I want this uh, royal series to go on for weeks because now I'm over talking about it. So I might end up doing like two podcasts today and just go ahead and do it and shove two podcasts in today because I'm kind of tired of talking about them. And, you know, I know Princess Diana is a whole week, but I kind of want to do Princess Diana within two days because this is crazy. But we all started talking about inbreeding yesterday when I was talking about Princess Marina of Denmark and Greece. And she was married to Queen Elizabeth's uncle, Prince George of Oh, no. His name was Prince George, okay? Um, She was married to him. So I found out that Princess Marina, paternal uncle, was Prince Andrew, who is Prince Philip's father. So they're cousins, basically. They're first cousins. So the queen's uncle was married to... Prince Philip's first cousin and Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth are cousins as well. They are all children of Queen Victoria, y'all. Y'all know that? This is all of Queen Victoria's bloodline. Everybody is in Queen Victoria bloodline. So that's the relation between the two. I'm not shocked. And Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip are cousins. Yeah, I did say they were cousins. My bad. Prince Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip are cousins through Queen Victoria bloodline. They are both great-grandchildren of Queen Victoria. So, yeah, that that's a thing, too. But the first article I want to talk about is, is about the hereditary disorders and the royal about royal inbreeding and about the disorders that are caused by royal inbreeding including the Habsburg jaw um that's a very painful condition so this is going to be a very interesting topic y'all because I've been studying the Royals since we were on lockdown last year. So this has been a whole year of studying. This matter of fact, I take it back. It has been more than just a year of studying. This has been some time of studying for me. So I've been spending time, you know, studying this. So I found an article from historyanswers.co.uk and it's called The Dangers of Royal Inbreeding. 
and it, his name was Prince George Duke of Kent. That's who I was talking about. Um, his wife was Princess Marina of Greece and Denmark, and her and Prince Philip are first cousins because their fathers are brothers. Okay. Back to the topic. So this is from historyanswers.co.uk. The article is written by Charles Evans. It was written on April 18th, 2019. It feels like 2019 was the best year ever. Anyway, um, the article states, From the Spanish Habsburgs to Queen's Victoria grandchildren, how centuries of embryo and genetic mutation led to Europe's royal family to ruin. He endured violent convulsions and hallucinations. Hallucinations. And his pronounced underbite and engorged tongue meant he was unable to close his teeth together. The malformed jaw made eating and talking nearly impossible, and he suffered uncontrollable spills of diarrhea and vomiting. Oh my goodness. Oh Jesus. It was rumored that he was bewitched, his painful and disfigured body that resulted in witch of witchcraft, a curse of the ritual consummation of the reign of criminals that he had devoured in hot chocolate drinks. Not y'all ruining hot chocolate. But the truth was just as unserving and much closer to home. Charles II of Spain birth defects were the result of the accumulation of over two centuries of inbreeding. Charles was unable to speak at all until he was four and wouldn't be until and wouldn't be in, until the age of eight that he would take his first step. Oh my Jesus. He was born to Philip IV of Spain, 1605 to 1655, and Mariana of Austria, 1634 to 1655. 65. A matrimony of uncle and niece, which made young Charles not only their son, but also their great nephew and first cousin, respectively. Unfortunately, this congenuous marriage was not a solitary, ill-fated pairing. Instead, it had became a habit in the Hasberg family, especially the Spanish line. Ancestry's relationship had been so common in his dynasty and for so long that by the time George II was born, he was more inbred than a child whose parent were brother and sister. Oh, my God. I'm sorry for the explanation. Like, really? You could be that inbred? Okay. In Europe, royal inbreeding to one degree or another was most prevalent from the medieval era until the outbreak of the First World War. Unable to marry commoners and faced with a dwindling dating pool of royals equivalent stat social statuses, especially a reformation and revolution diminished the available stock and credibility increasingly rapidly from the 16th century onward. The only viable option was to marry a relative. Those expected to succeed to the throne were unable to make morganatic morganatic matches. Unions between royals and those of lesser rank, but, e but even when the bride or groom-to-be held the title of prince or princess, unequal unions were discouraged. It was a surprisingly nuanced affair and couldn't make a break a regime's legitimacy. Queen Victoria married to her first cousin, Prince Albert, in 1840 was controversial, not because of their close kinship, but because while she was a descendant of King George III of Great Britain, which y'all find out that is Queen Charlotte's husband, honey. All right. And was born a royal princess, her royal highness. He was the son of the Dukes of Saxe-Coburg-Sarfield. That's where we get the Saxe-Coburg from. One of Mariette minuscule German principalities. While still a prince, Albert was a prince of a very different, lesser magnitude and style as his serene highness instead. The worst the, this union caused Victoria and Albert was social awkwardness, but for more fragile regimes and more tempestuous political climate, they need to marry royal princess to royal princesses of the correct denomination of Christianity. Saw them look along their own family line to unattached blood, blue bloods of appropriate pedigree. While the practice of marrying blood relatives serves a dynamic purpose to deserve privilege and power within family line, particularly useful in an era where noble women would at little direct influences saw a matchmaker or regent for their underage offspring. 
The Habsburgs indulged the custom with particularly reckless abandon. This led to eventual extinction of an entire branch of the family. Wow. The Spanish Habsburg dynasty was effectively founded by the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, 1500 to 1558, who thoroughly various canny marital hookups found himself heir to three families. His own, which dominated Central Europe, the House of Valois Burgundy, which dominated the Low Counties, the Low Countries, and the House of Trastamara, which ruled Spain and its overseas empire in America and Asia. This concentration of power proved too much for one man, and he was succeeded by his young brother, Ferdinand I, 1503-1564, as Archduke of Austria and King of Hungary, and his older brother's death, Holy Roman Emperor. The title of King of Spain and the land associated with it would be the, they in the Netherlands, South America, or Sicily, continued down Charles V line. Each branch ran in parallel, and there was always someone to marry from the other side of the family. Over the next 200 years, a total of 11 marriages was contracted by the Spanish Habsburg kings. Most of their marriages were consanguous unions, with nine occurring in degrees of third cousins or closer. The Habsburg territorial acquisitions via marriage became so established that the dynasty gained a motto attributed to their tactics, Bella Bella. Durant Alil to Felix Austria Noob. Let other wage war, you happy Austria, marry. Okay. A typical story of what became a very tangled family tree can be seen with Charles V and his wife Isabella of Portugal. They had two children, Philip II and a daughter, Maria of Austria. The dynasty feared that if Philip died before he had a male heir, Spain would be lost. So the decision was made to marry Maria to her first cousin, Maximilian II. As the eldest son of Ferdinand, Maximilian II had inherited their Central European title and land after his father's death. So the Holy Roman Emperor married his own eldest daughter, Anne of Austria, back to the other side of the family to her uncle, Philip II of Spain. This acted as insurance after Philip II's third wife, Elizabeth, died in childbirth, leaving him widowed with two daughters. These intermarriages, crossing from one side of the family to the other, repeats over the generation, either between uncles, aunts, nephews, nieces, and or between cousins. But unbeknownst to the royal family, they had started to pass down more than crown, crest, and other baubles to their descendants. In the 16th century, the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V had once ruled much of what is now Germany, Hungary, and the Czech Republic. Well. Germany, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Spain, the Netherlands, Belgium, Southern Italy, Western Poland, and the emerging colonies in America and Asia. His was the first empire upon which the sun never set. But a century later, the genetic line had deteriorated so severely that final male heir was physically incapable of producing children, subsequently bringing an end to the Spanish Habsburg rule and the family branch becoming extinct. So um, all this inbreeding basically caused them to create a, a genetic pool to where the final male heir could not produce a child. That's sad and that's scary. Um, but they kept it in the family. <laughs> that's what they did, honey. They made sure they kept that in the family. When a child is born, they contain a suffix mix of combined genetic material of their two parents. But when the gene pools and two people are very similar, there is a higher chance that the child will inherit something dangerous. Either a rising and spontaneous mutation, a lurking dormant of generation, aggressive inherited diseases are usually recessive and require both parents to be carriers of the genetic condition for it to be passed along to their offspring. As carriers do not have symptoms of the disease, the parents are often oblivious to the deadly combination of code that will pass on to their offspring. You should know. Come on now. All right, I question any person I see that look like my cousins. If you look like you could be my cousins, we got to do a DNA test. I'm sorry. And that's even if you look. All right. 
With these diseases are usually aware when the two individuals are related to the chances are higher that they will have the same dangerous gene. The closer the genetic relationship, the higher the genetic similarities. While third cousin matches might be safe, the risk is significantly ramped up when the blood relatives are even closer, such as siblings. Honey, I know my 15 cousins. Ew. It starts to become an even bigger problem when not only your father is your uncle, but your grandmother is also your aunt, as in the case of Charles II of Spain. What the hell? <laughs> I can't with y'all. This is not funny. This is messed up. But once again, they were trying to keep it in the family. When a family has a history of genetic generations of inbreeding, these recessive mutations start appearing more frequently until a child is born that is battling Mariette diseases. Children, unluckily, unluckily enough to be born a result as an incestuous parent, are sustainably more likely to suffer from congenital birth defects and will be at higher risk of infant loss, cancer, and reduced fertility. In the Spanish Hasburg, the most distinctive effect of inbreeding was the Hasburg jaw, medically known as the mandibular part nathism. The defect is commonly associated with inbreeding and likely many other rare diseases. It's a trait associated with recessive gene, recessive gene. Let me correct myself. In the case of Charles II of Spain, there are two genetic diseases that are believed to have contributed to his demise. Combining pituitary hormone deficiency, which caused infertility, impotence, weak muscles, and digestive problems. Distal renal tubular acidosis, which caused bloody urine, rickets, and large head relative to one's body size. It was just the Hasbergs that were plagued with diseases and deformities at the hands of inbreeding. Queen Victoria likely developed a spontaneous mutation in her genes that caused her to carry the genetic disease hemophilia. Now, I want to kind of break off into that and to talk about that because um, you do know um, the, the proof that the Romanov family was, um, I'm sorry, my head kind of hurting. So let me get my thoughts together. Um, the Romanov family um, were proven to be um, related to Queen Victoria because their youngest son, the only boy in the Romanov family, he was hemophiliac. They found that out when they were circumcising him, that he was uh, hemophiliac. So he was royal to the blood, but he was very sickly. The rare bleeding disorder that prevents the blood, blood from clotting effectively causes victims to bleed out and the most trivial of bumps to produce internal hemorrhaging. Queen Victoria married her first cousin, who was also a carrier of the fatal disease. When the two set of genes combined their children's disease fired into action and their pair subsequently spread the condition throughout Europe, Royal to Spain, Germany, and Russia. One of Victoria's own children died from complication due to hemophilia, while a further five grandchildren succumbed in the following decades. George III is thought to have been affected by another recessive disease, piporphyria. They said that um, Prince William... Also had that, not the Prince William that we have now. Prince William, you know, the attractive one that tried to marry that pretty model that we talked about. I forgot his title, Gloucester. Prince William of Gloucester. They said that he had that too, but I don't have any proof. And I didn't find any more articles about him having it. I just saw it on Wikipedia, but I don't trust Wikipedia as far as I'm concerned. Because like I said, when I was in college and doing research, college professors mess with Wikipedia, y'all. So... You got to be careful, Wikipedia. Okay, back to the article, which is caused by the inheritance of two recessive genes and characterized by blue urine and insanity. Now, George III is the husband of Queen Charlotte, the well-known black queen. And character, uh, yeah, por porphyria was common in the highly inbred house of Hanover. Victoria is also believed to have bequeathed porphyria to some of her descendants, most dramatically the German house of Hohenzollern, already descended from George I of Great Britain, where it had maybe contributed to the Kaiser Wilhelm II's erratic behavior in the years leading up to the First World War I. The First World War, y'all, I'm tripping. In November 1908, Reginald Brett, 2nd Viscount Esther, 
Contier and Confident of British Edwards. The seventh, speculated as much writers in his diary, I am sure that the taint of George III is in his blood. Queen Victoria, eldest daughter, Princess Victoria, also show the same telltale symptoms of porphyria. She had been married off to Frederick III, the first German Kaiser. Their union resulted in an unpredictable William II and sickly Princess Charlotte. The princess spent her life suffering from abdominal pain, blisters around her face, and dark red urine. It's like, this is ridiculous. This is damn ridiculous, y'all. Marry a commoner already, okay? All right? Just marry a commoner, all right? There's nothing wrong with our blood, and we know who our cousins are. Shoot. I saw my cousins last week. The undiagnosed ailment was passed on to her daughter, Princess Theodora of Saxon. Prince Fedora, who committed suicide in 1945 and a 1998 analyst of her remains proved inconclusive. For the Spanish Habsburg, though, their story ended on November the 1st, 1700. While, George, while Charles II was married twice in 1676 to Marie Louise of Orleans and after her death to Marie Anne of Newburgh, he had never conceived a child and was in all likelihood unable to do so. He got to get married twice. Okay. He had spent most of his reign powerless with other act as regent. Other acting as regent, he retired young, unable to cope with the demands of being a ruler with a frail and feeble body that had started to crumble. He had become. He had come to resemble an elderly man and was almost completely immobile due to the oedema, swelling in his leg, abdomen, and face. He died bald, senile, and impotent, aged just thirty-eight. For Charles II, his life was difficult and tragically short. The true extent of his conditions were not revealed until a grisly autopsy that stated his body did not contain a single drop of blood. Jesus! His heart was the size of a peppercorn, his lungs corroded, his intestines rotten and gangrenous. He had single testicle black as coal and his head was full of water. Y'all, Mary, just get with a commoner. Damn. That that that's dangerous. That's crazy. I mean, we're gonna really keep it in the family. All right. I have another article. It's called The Distinctive Hasberg Jaw. It's by SmithsonianMag.com. He was barely human. That that's that's awful. He was dead at 38. The distinctive Hasberg jaw was likely to result of a royal in family inbreeding. And um this article, like I said, is by SmithsonianMag.com. And it was written by Lila Thulin, December the 4th, 2019. And basically, new research found correlations between how inbred rulers of notorious intermarian dynasty were and the prominence of their jutting jaw. The family tree of the Habsburgs, a German-Austrian ruled family whose dominant stretch from Portugal to Transylvania is, tangled, is a tangled one. Like many royal families, and we're gonna also talk about that the Transylvanian um, thing because there's also a rumor that Prince Charles is related to Vlad the Impaler, aka Dracula. Back to this article, is it like many royal families, the Habsburg made strategic marriages to consolidate their power, often to close relatives, while the dynasty. 
regalia was glittery and their palace splendid. The royals themselves were markedly less easy on the eyes. Generation after generation, Hasberg Marna has sharply jutting jaws, bulbous lower lips, and long noses. This is no offense to anybody who think they have these traits. This distinctive Hasberg jaw and new analyst published published in the annual annals annals of human biology finds most likely resulting from inbreeding. That's a duh. The research led by geneticist Roman Velas from Spain University of Santiago de Compostela focused on 15 members of the so-called Spanish Habsburg. While the Habsburg family rose to power in Central Europe as the rulers of Austria, Germany, and eventually the Holy Roman Empire, the family influence spread westward to Spain after Philip I, son of the second Habsburg Holy Roman Emperor, Roman Emperor, married Joan of Castile in 1496. The Spanish Habsburg reign lasted two centuries until his 38 years old Charles II, a king whose men, manifold health woes and infertility scholars often attribute to severe inbreeding, died in 1700 with no immediate heir. We all know how that went down. It's awful. Velas and his colleagues honed in on Spanish Habsburgs, who appearance artists include notable like Diego Velasquez, has documented in a photorealistic portrait using an extensive family tree spanning 20 plus generations. The scientists determined that the average inbreeding coefficient of the Habsburg they analyzed was 0.093. This means that roughly 9% of the given royal corresponded genes, one maternal, one maternal, one maternal, one paternal, while identical because they came from the same ancestor, according to Ed Young of National Geographic. Comparatively, the child of two first cousins would have an inbreeding coefficient of 0.0625, and a child of two third cousins, like England's Prince Charles, would have an inbreeding coefficient of 0.004. In addition to quantities, how inbreds each equal its risk crap. I'm trying to read fast because my brain is reading it fast, but my mouth is not moving fast enough. In addition to quantifying how inbreds each aristocrat, each aristocrat was, the researchers asked mouth and jaw surgeons to look at the portrait and determine how many abnormal facial features typical of menbulier, pregnetism, MP, and protruding jaw, and maxillary deficiency, sucking mid-face, each Hasbrook possessed. Higher scores indicated strong occurrence of dysmorphic features. Villas' team found that unfortunate-looking Hasberg with high MP scores that signature Hasberg jaw were more likely to have high inbreeding coefficients. In fact, difference in levels of inbreeding according, accounted for 22% of the differing of the differing severity of mandibular pragmatism among the Habsburg study. Philip IV, Charles I, and Charles II each exhibit about five or seven telltale features of MP. More than any other other relatives included in the studies, Charles I, also known as the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, possessed a long cadaverous face and lopsided mouth, which drops open when he is not on his uh, when he is not on guard. wrote the Italian diplomat Antonio de Vitis in 1517. Although he had a resolute low for his family inbreeding coefficient of 0.038, the genetic impact of intermarriage increased with subsequent generations. El Hichazado, or the Birich, and... Look, let me tell you something. The Bewitched, that's what they called him. my plays as Charles was dubbed for his overlarge tongue epilepsy and other illnesses had whipping and breeding coefficients of 0.25 about the same as the offspring of two siblings Charles mother and father were in fact 
niece and uncle. Ew! So this higher value indicates his parents were subsequently inbred themselves. Four years before Charles' death, British envoy Alexander Stanhop described the king's Hasburg features in a letter to Duke Shrewberry's writing. He had a rabious stomach and swallowed all he eats whole for his nether jaw stands so much out that his two rows of teeth cannot meet. Based on this correlation between the level of inbreeding, And MP Velas team suggested that the Hasbro jaw was caused by a recessive gene. Recessive genes only manifested as notable renotypes when both of individuals' two copies of the gene are the same. So the duplicate genes passed down through inbreeding makes a recessive trait statistically more likely to surface. This finding stands in contrast. I lost my place again. To the previous belief that a dominant gene influenced the Hasbro distinctive look. Still, the scientists acknowledge that they cannot completely disregard an alternative hypothesis. The random buildup of genetic changes. You know what? <laughs> All right. They cannot completely disregard how it turns out the buildup of genetic changes, not inbreeding, resulted in increasing frequency of the Hasbro jaw, although they view the possibilities as unlikely. The Hasbro's ungaining facial features were the only negative side effect of inbreeding. University of Santiago del Cospitello geneticists previously found that inbreeding diminished the Hasbro offspring changes of survival by as much as 18%. Dependent extinction of the diocese or two rare recesses, probably the consequences of inbreeding disorder Charles II may have had. While marrying relatives may help the Hasburg rise to power, the result from the family trees eventually led full circle to their fall from the throne. So, like I said, don't sleep with your cousin. Basically, the point of the article is this, straight up. You have sex with somebody who's related to you in your family. Y'all have a child. You cancel out your whole bloodline, basically. Um, I mean, the purple blood, the blue blood, literally. Um, that, that, right, you cancel out your whole bloodline. This guy, Charles II, was so inbred that he canceled out his bloodline. And he was able to have his own bloodline. So that's what happens when you mess with your cousin. I mean, I know they're cute and whatever, but that's your cousin. You're not going to gain anything from it. And it's not going to make your genetics coding stronger. That family, that whole family dynasty kind of basically died out um, because they canceled themselves out. So that's a little bit on what happened with genetic breeding. My next article is going to be about Prince Charles and his relation to Dracula. <laughs> yeah, he's related to Brett, Vladdy and Paler. You don't know who Vladdy and Paler is. I'm not going to tell you. You go figure it out. Y'all have Google just like me. Is Prince Charles related to Vladdy and Paler? You know, I had a joke about somebody being blood sucking, but I just totally forgot about it. Um, and I find it funny that they chose Vladdy and Paler to be the ancestor that Prince Charles has. You know, all this considered what happened to Princess Diana. If you Google Princess Diana, we all know the story. All right. So the article is by PRI.org and said Prince Charles relates to Vladdy and Paler. And this was written October the 28th, 2011. At 4.09 p.m. Um, by news desk. And it states, Prince Charles, the heir to the British throne, said that he is related to Vlad Tupes. Commonly known as Vlad the Impaler. 
the 15th century Romanian warlord and the inspiration behind Braun Stoker's vampire novel, Dracula. According to genealogical evidence, Charles is related to Vlad and this gives him a bit of stake in Romania's future. Note the clever use of the word stake. <laughs> he made his comment on the upcoming TV show to promote his interest in protecting the forest in Romania, Transylvania region, report U.S. Today. Charles called Transylvania a national treasure because of his rural farming tradition and beautiful landscape. He had bought a home in the region and he has worked to conserve the forest for years. The Carpathian Mountains, Carpathian Mountains, sorry y'all, the Carpathian Mountains, which contain large unbroken tracts of forest in Central Europe, are homes to many animals, including lynx, wolves, and bears. Oh, they got lions and tigers and bears over there? I'm joking. I know a lynx is not a lion, but wolves and bears. The forest report the Daily Mails are increasingly threatened by logging and rapid economic development. Vlad the Impaler officially carried the title Dracula, son of dragon, after his father, Vlad II, who was a member of the Order of the Dragon, which was founded by the Holy Roman Empire to defeat Wallachia against the Ottoman Empire. Wallachia, along with the Moldavia, along with Moldavia and the Trans Transylvania, became modern Romania in the 20th century. I thought Cisco was the son of the dragon, or Cisco the dragon. Vlad became nosy and paler due to his fondness of slowly impaling his enemies on a wind spike. He's revered in his homeland as a hero for protecting his people from the Ottomans. Prince Charles, a direct descendant of Mariatek, who was married to King George V, a 19th century United Kingdom king emperor. Mariatek, descended from Vlad the Impaler's son, reported CPS. Okay, so it's through Mariatek. That's Queen Elizabeth's grandmama. So it'll be Prince Charles' great-grandmother. Ooh, that's interesting. I found another article. It's by dailyrecords.co.uk. Prince Charles is a descendant of Vlad the Impaler. And it all has the same question mark. Prince Charles, the descendant of Vlad the Impaler? What? It is written by Stephen White. He's a reporter and it was written April 10th, 2017. So it might be some updated information in this article. He has been king and waiting for a long time, but now Prince Charles has been offered another title, Prince of Transylvania. The invitation has come from, the, from a Romanian mayor and his honorary title because of the air loves of the area. Charles owns two 400-year-old holiday homes in the area and is said to be bewitched by Transylvania, its countryside, and the environment. Dude, why would you buy a house that's 400 years old? Y'all know spirits all up in there, but I'm pretty sure that he, you know, he basically, you know, he, uh, he saged the area, you know. And uh, the term of bewitched, really. The prince is also descended from Vlad the Impaler, the local ruler who put his enemies on wooden spikes and became the inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula. The mayor of the city of Alba Lulia, the former capital of Transylvania, has now extended a formal invitation to the Prince of Wales to receive an honorific title of Prince of Transylvania. In a letter to Prince Charles, Mayor Mareka Mircea 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 Hava said, we know how much you love Transylvania. Hmm. Let me give some commentary on that because my iPad wants to act funky right now. It's kind of been on all night, but I want to talk about this for a minute. Uh, the term of bewitched. They use an article. Hmm. That's a quite of a, 
uh, crazy term. I think that was the end of the article too. But the fact they used the fact they said the Prince of Transylvania, and he was bewitched by the area, and he has uh, first and foremost, you got uh, two holiday homes, four hundred year old holiday homes. I'm pretty sure the castles. Hey, you know, can I stay there? But, you know, like I said, the shade that the crown gave of how y'all were doing Miss Bowles' line, I don't know. Y'all might have rats. But not the Prince of Romania, the Prince of Transylvania. Huh. That's interesting choice of words. I really love key jabbing and saying he's blood-fucking you guys. You guys, don't be shady in your articles. He could be king. He could, like, totally be king. Don't be shady. But the crazy part is, I'm going to say this, and this is going to be a very unpopular opinion for everybody. Um, I trust him over, I don't know why I trust him over Prince William to be king. I don't know. I don't know. It's something about William to me that I don't know what it is about him. And I know we all grew up loving him. Well, I wasn't a Prince William fan. I was a Raz B fan. Yeah. But everybody was in love with Prince William. They talk about how sexy he was, how he looked so much like his mother. And... I don't know why I trust his father being king over him being king. Um, like I said, we we don't know what to predict or whatever, but I just I don't know. I just trust Charles being king. I mean, I don't care for the family anyway, but if I had to choose who to be king, I would choose Charles. Um, I don't know why. It's something about that generation. You know, he's in our grandparents' generation. If you're a millennial, your grandparents is the generation of Prince Charles. And um, those are baby boomers. I just trust him more than I trust a millennial, which is William. I don't know why. I don't know why. William scares me a little bit. So, yeah. I decided to put, like, an article in here. Because we're talking about inbreeding. I decided to do an article in here about something that Queen Elizabeth, she was betrayed by family. You know, black folks act like that's the only thing black people do. But uh, she felt betrayed by her cousin, honey. So it says, the article is by Royal Foibles. Um, it was written March 28th, 2017. The cousin who betrayed the queen, apparently she get betrayed a lot. She probably, probably feels betrayed now, but this is not the first time she has been betrayed. So it says, of all the members of the House of Windsor, we've stabbed the queen in the back, of which they have been a few. None has inserted the knife deeper, with more relish and with less apparent guilt or remorse than her cousin, Princess Alexandra of Kent. I think this is uh this will be the Duke of Kent's daughter, right? Her uncle's child. Born the only daughter of Elizabeth's second youngest surviving uncle, the late Prince George, Duke of Kent. Okay, and his legendarily elegant wife Marina, who was Prince Philip's cousin also, who was born a princess in her own right. Alexandria nicknamed Alex, more close friends and family had long had has been has long been the most popular and respected among the so-called minor royals the this staff branch of the queen's family consisting of the cousin of hers who are still royal highnesses outwardly charming friendly and known for affable graciousness that she combined effortlessly with a naturally regal bearing the princess was considering one of the great and glamorous european royal beauties of the 50s and 60s Cecil Beaton, the celebrated photographer, particularly renowned for his royal portraiture, was especially fond of photographing her. She is beautiful. 
And let's talk about this. This was an article in 2017. So, <laughs> yeah, this article was written in 2017. So nobody could predict this, this whole thing would happen with Meghan Markle. She probably feels more portrayed now. But let's see what Princess Alexandra did first. All right. Before making the assumption. Gazing at her portraits from that period, she strikes one as a taller, more statuesque, slimmer, more elegant, and frankly, more well-bred version of Princess Margaret. I don't know. Princess Margaret's prettier, I think. But she's beautiful. Such an unfavorable comparison is especially apt given the antipathy shared by the mothers of these two princesses. Lady Colin Kate Campbell writes in her biography of the Queen's mother that Prince Marina, whose father was a prince of Greece and Denmark, while her mother was a Russian duchess, often referred to Queen Elizabeth, the Queen's mother, whose father was a mere Scottish earl, as a common little Scottish girl. Y'all need to leave the Queen's mother alone. Y'all be going in on Miss Bowe's line. Free Wallace Simpson call her a cook. Call her cookie. Because she like, y'all, we going in on her. But her egg is what's on the throne right now. Y'all, come on. Leave Cookie alone. <laughs> leave Cookie alone, man. Another notable feature of Princess Alexandra's personality is that, unlike her notorious mother, she never been known for being a snob. What these portraits fail to capture, however, is the charisma of which the princess has always had always been especially renowned what has often been written her charm her real charm lies in the seductive nature of her personality prince philip who's her maternal first cousin once removed and the husband of alex's paternal first cousin the queen has long been known to have fallen victim to her charm sometimes in the 50s and the two remain enthralled with each other for at least the next 20 years Okay, well, you, she got Meghan Markle beat. Their decade-long affair with all but destroyed her marriage and nearly destroyed his, as well as having a shattering effect on both their families, is chronicled in Nicholas Davies' book, Elizabeth II, A Woman Who Is Not Amused. And she is not amused. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she didn't find this to be cute at all. No. Uh, simply put, no other dal dalliance of her husband has devastated Queen Elizabeth, I mean, Elizabeth II more than Philip's prolonged amour with her own cousin, who until the point that Queen guarded as a close friend. While no other royal biographer that the author of this post is aware has described Philip and Alexandra's affair with the same details as Davies, several other biographers, some of whom are known to have been authorized by members of the royal family, among them Sarah Bradford and Ingrid Seward. Harini have either written directly about this notorious of the Duke of Edinburgh's numerous extramarital romance or have strong hinted at it. To this day, the subject is easily considered the most taboo topic a royal biographer could do best not to write about. And y'all do keep in mind that he is really related to her. Her mother is his first cousin. Before one delve into the sordid tale, it is instructive. Never seen that word before. So first, give some background information concerning these two most admirable of royal kissing cousins. For one of the reasons this affair happened in the first place was because of the complicated nature of Alex and Philip's position within the royal family and their respectively complicated relationship with the queen at the time their illicit romance began. By the late 50s, Prince Philip's position within the royal household has become unattainable in direct defiance of the constitutional precedent set by Queen Victoria, who decreed upon marriage that her children and male and lying descendants take their husband's last name, Elizabeth II's courtier, at the instigation of Queen Mary, Winston Churchill, and Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, Miss Bowes Lyon. Moved swiftly upon her succession to ensure the royal family's last name would remain Windsor instead of Philip's code name of Mountbatten. Adding insult to injury, they also forced the Duke of Edinburgh to give up his naval career when his wife inherited the throne but denied him a meaningful advisory role within the monarchy. 
exacerbated. Philip at one point described himself to a journalist as being just a bloody amoeba. According to Clive Prince, Lynette Pickett, and Stephen Pryor in War of the Windsors, a century of constitutional monarchy, he actually characterized himself as being just a bloody sperm. <laughs> Unfortunately, Philip, that is what you are. Um, poor Philip. But the statement was sanitized before publication. Compounding Philip's quagmire was the breakdown in his marriage that occurred around 1955 when, according to Lady Colin Campbell in her book, The Royal Marriage, the full extent of his cheating was finally revered, revealed to the king by, by the queen, sorry y'all, by the queen, by her sister Margaret in fits of rage over Elizabeth's refusal to su support her sister and Margot's ill-fated attempt to marry the divorce group captain Peter Townsend. So uh, Princess Margaret was a snitch because she was mad she couldn't marry Townsend. You did the same thing to Prince William too, didn't you, a Gloucester? Girl, when you Leo's don't get y'all ways, y'all nasty. Cutting off all intimacy with her husband, the queen retaliated by first keeping platonically loved company with her friend and courtier, Patrick Baron Plunkett, then the court to Davy sharing a far more carnal relationship with Lord Porchester. As the decade drew to close, Philip increasingly sought escape from his wife and her court by taking prolonged solo trips abroad. It was also during this period that he sought increasingly refuge in competitive sailing, especially participating in the annual Cows Regatta. No doubt, finding particularly solace in the event because Elizabeth abhorred it and would never accompany him there. It was during one of the cows racing week that after years of flirting, Prince Philip finally bedded his and Elizabeth's mutual cousin, Princess Alexandra of Kent. All right, Megan, you're beat. <laughs> you're beat. Yeah. <sighs> Meg, Meg's beat. I'm sorry, Megan, you got beat. Your cousin sleeping with your husband, and then he's not only your cousin, but that's his cousin too. My man is your man. Your man is my man. My man is your man. And we all cousins. Come on, y'all. Ten years at the Queen's Journey, Junior Alexandra was born in 1936 to the most sexually libertine couple after the Duke and Duchess of Windsor within their generation of the royal family. Y'all know her daddy is uh, Prince George of Kent. He's a Duke of Kent. We all told you his story. Uh, I shouldn't have to tell you all this because they wrote about it. <laughs> but let's look at what they said about Princess Marina. All right, so it's, they basically said that Princess Marina... Um, who grew up occasionally penniless, refused, shuffled around the various remaining royal courts of Europe, is rumored to have joined her husband in his sexual adventures and even to have, on an occasion, shared a male lover with him. All this fun, however, came to abrupt when he, you know, he, he died in the plane crash in 1942. The several noted historians suspect, suspect wasn't an accident for Prince George, like most Europe royals during the Second World War, was a secret Nazi sympathizer who attempted at the end to conflict through a negotiate peace may have resulted in blatant espionage. Both him and Duchess of Windsor and Prince Pignet and Prior in War of the Windsors make a compelling argument for him having been murdered by his brother's government as a traitor and national security risk they deemed to have to be eliminated. But that, alas, is another story for another post. We talked about this, um, about, you know, why. We talked about that yesterday. Go to, to yesterday's podcast. Yesterday's podcast is called um, Prince George. Have you heard about George? So, yeah. After the Duke of Kent death, his widow and three small children were left in a financially straitened position, giving him apparently not planned not playing his estate for the contingency of his early demise and his silver list allowance was terminated upon his passing. This left only his wife, Miss Skill, appendage from the King George the Sixth government upon which to raise her family. It became of circumstances that the Kent 
for decades to come will regain regards the poorest members of the House of Windsor. Princess Alexandra grew up wearing her far more well-off cousins, Elizabeth and Margaret's hand-me-downs, and telling her school friends when she grew up, she expected her husband to be tall and rich. Oh, uh, so you, you know, she never had her own. I don't understand that, but okay. It makes sense. To me, it also, it makes sense. It don't make sense, but it does make sense. Perhaps Alex's financial hardship and that of her immediate family could have been relieved to her uncle, the king, had it not been for the extreme red card shared by his beloved trust, all-powerful consort, Queen Elizabeth, and the Duchess of Kent. As Lady Campbell noted in her biography of the queen's mother, Elizabeth always envied Marina's beauty style and vastly superior lineage. Marina, for her part, couldn't stand Elizabeth's pretentious lack of sincerity and the naked narcissism and ambitious she presumed was cleverly disguised behind her always cheerful demeanor. She's talking about Bowes' line, Miss Bowes' line. It's long been rumored that Queen, uh, Queen Mother took a special delight in watching her most hated sister-in-law after the Duchess of Windsor raised her family in the British royal equivalent of G genteel poverty and blocked every attempt to relieve Marina's financial burdens by significantly increasing her appendage. Oh, Miss Bowes, lying? You shady, girl! Nicholas Davies writes, the Duchess oft repeated regarding the queen's mother origins eventually made its way to elizabeth second's ears and despite her fondness of her aunt marina she wasn't amused she's never amused i don't know why y'all keep saying that she's never amused all right that's why she's still in office because she's not amused y'all be going around here playing she's business all right one doubt prince one doubts princess alexandra found her aunt elizabeth Machinist nation amusing either. No. So this has been a family feud. Gregorius and a nature natural man's woman with a temperament with a temperament that suited Prince Philip far more than his wife. The Duke of Edinburgh asked Alex to act as his hostess during the Kyle's regatta week sometimes in the late 50s. It was with his congenital atmosphere that they embarked upon the forbidden love affair that with, within the next two decades wreaked such havoc on their personal lives as well as their lives of those closest to them. Both being work, working members of the royal family, Nicholas Davies, where it was initially quite easy for Philip to arrange a sign ascent height assignation with Princess Alexandra without too many people noticing. All the time they conducted their trice at Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, and on one time Royal Yacht Britannia. The only rule of thumb was that the Queen had to be away from such places at the time her husband and cousin were meeting for an amorous romp. Likewise, when Prince Philip was away from, from said places and Her Majesty were present, Alexandra was never invited. Come on, y'all. The crown. What, what are y'all doing over there? You want? Oh, my God. This is a good story. How could y'all leave that off the show, man? For it didn't take long before the queen found out her husband, on top of all his previous sins, was now breaking his marriage vows with one of his first cousins, who also happened to be among his first cousins as well. Devastated, she turned to her husband's uncle, the Earl of Mountbatten of Burma, for comfort and counsel. While Dickie, his family nickname, Ashura Lilibet, her majesty made family nickname, this new affair was just a passing fling. He also wrote Philip employing him to end his dalliance with Alex as soon as possible on the grounds that they were too close, meaning their lineal relationship was such that Dickie feared if Alice got pregnant, which she shortly did after marrying her husband, and Philip was in fact the father, the child ran potential of being the next elephant man. Girl, did you not hear about the uh, Hasbergs? Do you not hear about Hasbergs? You need to hear about them. For in 1963, Alexandra married Agnes Ogilvy, the second son of the Earl of Arley, 
Well, her affair with the Duke of Edinburgh was in the full swing. She and her new husband starting a family was a foregone conclusion. She began her affair with Philip shortly after she started dating Agnes, which was in 1955 and had strung him along with several other suitors for eight years before finally agreeing to marry him. Agnes, a successful though not wealthy banker, whose lack of title led Alexandra's mother to attempt more than once to talk her out of marrying him, may or may not have been aware of his girlfriend's attachment to Queen Elizabeth's husband at first. Certainly, Elizabeth II did her part to throw Agnes off the scent by encouraging him to marry her cousin by offering him an earldom, which he refused, and surely Ogilvy, he wouldn't have to give up his career in order to support his wife in her royal duties. Okay, when I picked this article, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't pick this article. I just know it said something about a cousin uh, that was betrayed. I did not know that she had betrayed her cousin like that. Um, This right here is better than Love and Hip Hop, this story. <laughs> This is some Game of Thrones-ish. Um, let's see how long we got to read this. I'm not reading all that. I'm not reading all that. Long story short, her cousin slept with her cousin and her husband. Y'all... I'm going to be speechless for a few seconds. I know y'all feel like Meghan Markle was attacking the royal family, but the royal family was attacked a long time ago. This was the official, and this was a genetic attack. So, Laura Malbatten basically said, hey, uh, y'all cousins, cousins, you know, her mama. Daddy. is your daddy, brother. That child gonna come out completely elephant manish. Why? <laughs> it's that part right there. There's nothing wrong. Um, when I'm not saying this, I'm not laughing at deformity or anything that is done um, with genetics. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at the mere fact that you thought to tell her that her child was going to be elephant man when he's already married to his cousin. I mean, okay. All right. Y'all need to find some commoners. I don't want to be a commoner that's married to the royal family. I'm just saying. I ain't saying it to be funny. I just wouldn't want to be married into that, that bag of shit. That, because their rules are weird. They're weird. This is why I'm saying, I want to make this conclusion when I'm talking about this. Um, I know what Meghan Markle said, and I'm pretty sure she had some racist challenges. But they needed her black blood to cancel out all that inbreeding blood they got going on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I think Queen Charlotte was part of the equation as well. Um, they needed... Some foreign blood, quotation marks, foreign blood 
to fix that hot mess of inbred ancestral pull. So they're like, look, we're going to change all the rules for you, Harry. You go find you a nice black thing. She can't be too black, though. She has to look white, but she's black. Yeah. Which I think you would have totally fixed the whole royal bloodline if she was darker. I'm just saying. Um, and we need to fix this bloodline. It needs to be fixed. I've heard conspiracy theories saying that too, that they needed black blood to fix the royal bloodline. That's why you had Princess, that's why you had Queen Charlotte. And that's why you have Meghan Markle. Um, not Princess Charlotte, not, you know, Prince and Kate, Prince uh, William and Kate's baby. We're talking about Queen Charlotte. This is Queen Victoria's grandmother. That's why I think they need black blood. Because of that ancestral pool going on over there. It's like, okay, we're cousins. Y'all can marry out. That's it. I have to change the rules. Somebody got to marry a commoner. Somebody got to marry somebody with normal genetic coding somebody gotta do something man because this is a big old incest pool okay you cheated on your cousin with your first cousin speaking of a good soap opera plot this would be one This would definitely need one, but they really needed Meghan Markle and they knew they needed Meghan Markle. As much as y'all want to be mad at her and be mad at that, they needed her. Just as much as she needed to come up and... Because I don't recall watching the show uh, Suits. Sorry, Meghan. I'm sorry. No disrespect to you, but I don't recall watching Suits. Now, I do. Well, I did watch Deal or No Deal, but I don't recall the show Suits. No disrespect. With that being said, you guys, make sure y'all have family reunions. Y'all can do it through Zoom. I know we still somewhat in a pandemic. But uh, use your Zoom and figure out who you're related to so you won't end up like the Hasbergs and cancel out your whole family bloodline, one. And um, two, you might need a little black in you. To stabilize that DNA coding deer. Because word on the street is that's what's stabilizing the blood of the royal family. It's a little chocolate. And that tainted ass milk. Thank you guys for listening to my podcast. My next podcast will be about Queen Charlotte. Yes, dear. We're going to be talking about Queen Charlotte, honey. How they got married on her birthday. It was a lot of. uh, A lot of signs that that was going to be another Queen Charlotte coming through with Meghan Markle. They um, uh, Prince Harry and and Meghan Markle got married on her birthday. One. Um, Kate named her daughter after Queen Charlotte. Two. She was married to the Mad King. Um, and he's known to have ancestral blood too, but notice that he got with her, her bloodline still sticks to this day. Oh, she is direct descendant of Queen Victoria to Queen Elizabeth II. So when I say they needed black blood to keep it going, they needed black blood. They need another Queen Charlotte. Thank you guys for listening to my podcast. This is my mind emporium. Stop sleeping with your cousins.